Welcome to the podcast. I'm Mel Sainsbury, resident vet nurse here at Nature's Menu, the UK and Europe's leading expert in raw and natural pet food. The last year or so has been rather mm, different to say the least. Our research tells us that 22% of new puppy owners have found it harder than they thought bringing up their fur baby. Life in lockdown has been completely different to our normal day-to-day and dog owners are rightly concerned about how much this might impact their puppy. We're here with the brilliant Nick Jones, dog expert witness and dog behaviourist with almost 20 years experience. Thanks so much for joining us, Nick. Thank you, Mel. It's a genuine pleasure to be here with you. Lovely. Could you start by telling us a little bit about your career and what a dog expert witness actually is? Yeah, it sounds highfalutin, doesn't it? Um, Normally, I would sort of introduce myself as primarily a dog behaviourist because out of all the work I do, uh, probably 70, 80 percent of it is looking at cases that one would expect to encounter under that title as a dog behaviourist. And broadly speaking, they could be things ranging from, say, separation anxiety, uh, aggression to dogs, aggression to people, um, general fears and phobias, or puppy visits, toilet training, lack of recall, although we're getting into a bit more sort of general training. So it tends to, the, the bulk of my work is very broad, but focuses particularly on dog behaviour problems and then the dog expert witness is something that sort of came about over time really it this in essence means that I'm assessing dogs that have either bitten or alleged to have bitten a person and this is invoking the dangerous dogs act and so to try and keep it short if let's say a dog has bitten a person the court will want to seek a, an opinion from somebody like me that's used to working with dogs and, and all these different behaviours to give my expert opinion as to whether I think the dog is suitable to remain in public places or to return into public places. No, wow, that sounds absolutely fantastic. It's really nice to know that um, sort of courts and all those big scary places are looking to professionals like yourself because you hear so yeah. many horrible scary stories don't you so yeah, that, yeah that's quite reassuring actually so yeah. back to our subject of 2020 slash 2021 as everyone's yes. been talking about the wonderful lockdown that we've all experienced who knew mm. two years ago that that would be entered into the English dictionary exactly. um, but do you think dog owners should be prepared for big changes in their pets behavior as we start to sort of go out and about a little bit more often either with the dogs or without the dogs what sort of things do you think people should be expecting well I mean what they expect to find and how they expect or should expect the situation to evolve as we move out of the lockdown which is very much underway now of course um, does really depend on the dog and also the owner's existing understanding of their dog's behavior so if for example they already had a dog let's say a year ago that was prone to separation issues then they may be anticipating a slightly more bumpy ride than let's say somebody that lived with a dog that could be left for sensible periods before the you know the recent lockdowns and I think it's a case of if you're not anticipating anything then relax you know I don't think all dog owners should be worried about us coming out of lockdown the vast majority of dogs and owners dare I say, will have no issues whatsoever. And it's really just a case of maybe making a little 
inner assessment on our own dogs and thinking, well, how will little Alfie cope with this situation as I return to work? This is a conversation that's being held on a regular basis at the moment. And I'm just trying to encourage people to take small steps now uh, to readjust and to refocus their dog so that they know as an owner that the dog can be left for a sensible period. Most other people will just be able to sort of return to normality without too much of an impact, I think. Brilliant. Oh, that's that, that's reassuring to know, I think, for many mm. of our listeners, actually, that have already got dogs mm. before all this sort of kicked off. Um, mm. So there's been a lot of discussion about puppies over the last year or so. Obviously, we know that there's a lot more people out there with puppies now. And mm. we always see as soon as you pretty much Google the word puppy, you'll see words like socialization, habituation. Um, mm. So can you explain the difference between those two terms? Is it about taking your puppy to the local park and introducing them to everybody and getting kids to feed them treats and getting them to do sits and rollovers and have fun? Or is it a little bit more mm. skilled than that? Well, whilst I wouldn't say, oh, yes, it's a lot more skilled. I think rearing and raising a young dog is if you do it in a progressive and thoughtful way, which of course I would encourage, it doesn't need to be complicated and it's not complicated. Habituation is not a word in my day-to-day vocabulary. The word on my lips would be simply socialization. And to be fair, Mel, you could probably talk to three or four other people in the, in the same industry as me, and you may well get different answers because we all interpret words a little differently. You know, I think most importantly, the, the idea of socialization is just exposing our dogs in a safe, calm, controlled way to the various things that that we would expect our dogs to encounter and of course for most people that would be dogs animals people different environments different locations and that might be the sort of the 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 head of it really and then everything from that might be just a bit of fine tuning using the word habituation well of course it stems from the word habit and it's how we create habits in our dogs that are hopefully good habits as we see them and that make the dog uh, easy and enjoyable to live with. And another way of looking at habituation maybe is through just basic training, which is a little bit different from socialization because you could have a dog that is uh, well trained on an obedience level, yet still not actually cope very well with meeting new people, new dogs or new places. So in the beginning, assuming that we acquire our puppy at eight weeks, which is usually the desirable age sweet spot to get a dog, I'm really encouraging people just to get out and about with their dogs on a daily basis, right from day one, uh, meaning eight weeks, um, and that we can do more and more with them as they get a little bit older and as we can start putting them on the ground and uh, once they're fully vaccinated and and as we have a, a bit more trust in the dog as it develops. So the main thing is, is, is not to overthink it, uh, but just to be sure that they're doing a little something with their dog every day. Too many people wait until the dog is, let's say, at 12 weeks of age and the dog is fully vaccinated and then they get the green light from their veterinary practice to go out and about and socialise. But of course, if they take that really literally, that could almost mean that the dog is not anywhere out of the back garden between eight and 12 weeks. Mm, yeah. And the problem with that, of course, is that 
the dog socialization period, depending on what book you read, ends at about 12 to 14 weeks, possibly later. Mm. But if you're following that sort of model, you're missing a whole month, if if not more, of the socialization window, which I, I would be encouraging people just to think about getting out and doing little bits and pieces so that they're ahead of the curve. And that they're not, they're not actually starting in a proactive sense, the idea of socialising their dog at 12 weeks. Actually, it's starting at eight weeks. Mm, Yeah, no, it's really interesting you say that, actually, because some people take it so literally. I've met people before um, when I was working in practice who hadn't even let their puppies out in their back garden because they'd taken the fact of not letting the dog outside so seriously. And then, of course, after that, you've got the whole... Uh, house training episode to go through and yes, even though you've yeah. had the dog at home for four weeks and it yeah it's, mm. it's funny how serious people take it I actually bought now don't laugh but I actually bought uh, a lovely little puppy papoose for my baby when he was little because yeah, he was too well, heavy to carry around so just I to, just, just to rescue him to the front of me <laughs> we, we did exactly the same with our last puppy who is now just over two so there is a photo of me somewhere looking a little bit bashful <laughs> yeah. of um, a, a, a sling across my front you know with mm. uh, little Ruby's uh, orange nose sticking out the end so but I actually highly recommend them obviously if you uh, own a Bernese or something it's not going to be an easy Easy choice but you know we can take the essence of the idea and, and apply it to different breeds oh definitely um, you know I would certainly say if there was one key element I, I'm always coming back to it's start socialization immediately and uh, yes of course we can develop what socialization means for the dog and the owner as the dog develops but it's most of the problems I see in dogs are due to a lack of exposure uh, or indeed this word socialization. Yeah, definitely. Taking that into account. And one thing that I always notice when I talk to puppy owners are the things Mm. that aren't seasonal. Um, So all of a sudden, about two days before firework night, we always had a rush on in surgeries wherever I worked of, oh, Mm. there's going to be fireworks in a couple of days. What can I do? Mm. And you just want to encourage people to think about it earlier on. So how can we sort of prepare our teeny weeny little puppies that we've got for things that aren't seasonal so for example for fireworks for Mm. maybe trick-or-treaters so we've got people turning up in funny costumes Mm. maybe thunderstorms later on in the year as well so how can we get our little puppies used to that now before they actually start occurring naturally Yes, whether somebody listening has an older dog that struggles, let's say, with environmental factors like thunder and lightning or whether it is um, fireworks now would be, although, you know, what what is that? That's sort of November. So once we get into August, September, I'm beginning myself to think, oh, we've got fireworks coming up now. That could be the next thing we see coming through. Mm -hmm. But that would be a good time, you see. Uh, And let's say if somebody you know we're speaking in sort of may of 2021 but even if somebody had a puppy of this age i would be raising the the possibility of exposing that pup to those sounds now in a controlled way that can 
habituate the dog to becoming used to those sounds. And so that when it does hear them in a more random way, uh, for real, come November, then at least it's not something that is going to completely flip the dog. Mm. Um, so the way we do this normally is to uh, desensitise through gradual exposure. And when we have sounds in particular, the general gist without going into a full depth explanation is to expose the dog to those sounds at a very low volume that the dog can cope with and we if let's say the volume control had 20 get marks with from zero to 20 with 20 being very loud we would start on number one or number two to the point where we think oh yes the dog can hear i can see that he's aware of the sound and then leave that running for say 10 minutes and we would engage with the dog doing something like a bit of play or a little bit of training or uh, another traditional approach is to give the dog something nice to chew on and if you can get the dog chewing or emptying a, a device whilst hearing those sounds in the background then that in essence is stage one of you might say 20 where we can work the dog through the gradual levels of volume and by the way we would never really end up playing the volume at 20 either it would you know probably be a moderate volume you know at the end of the day which may be I don't know, 10 12 15 now on amazon you for example other websites exist but you used to be able to go on and buy cds with all of these tracks on them and i think as mp3s and sort of places like spotify have become more common and youtube you know that that has become less available but you if you have a dig around especially on youtube as well you can find quite long tracks with thunder in the background or firework displays and so they're perfectly legitimate to use as well and then no, the, that sounds great yeah and the owner also just needs to ensure that they're playing those sounds through a fairly decent sounding system mm -hmm. uh, using something like a phone or a, a little tinny speaker would not be adequate so usually playing it through something like a tv or um, a sound system would be a bit mm. better mm, yeah definitely and i know there's a lot of training facilities out there now that actually um, provide you with a little tick list don't know if things right you yeah. should be exposing your dog to and mm. how often etc so i know i found those really helpful in the past I think it's about considering what you're going to want to do with your dog as well, isn't it? Because mm. I don't know what sort of like this paints me in, but I've always wanted my dogs to be able to come to the pub with me. So, yeah, yeah. so I've always made sure from a very young age that they have got used to sort of mm. settling when we're eating. It doesn't matter yes. whether we're eating at a table or from our laps or sat on the floor with them. They know to settle yeah. down and not sort of pester us, et cetera. So, and yes. it's because I have that expectation of them that I will yes. want to take when things open up again obviously I will like to take them with me to pubs restaurants mm. etc that allow them so I think yeah. it's about sort of judging what you would like your dog to join with you wouldn't it really Nature's Menu is dedicated to the health and well-being of its pets and yours discover the world of raw and more by visiting naturesmenu.co.uk the Pupcast podcast is offering an exclusive 20% discount to its listeners. Simply enter Pupcast20 at the naturesmenu.co.uk checkout. You mentioned earlier on about um, people who have sort of chosen to stay maybe a little bit more shut away or who haven't had a choice because they've had to self-isolate, etc. Yes. Yeah. Now that things are, fingers crossed, hopefully starting to look up, 
how would you maybe suggest so say you normally would you would go to a market on a Saturday to buy your yes. fruit and veg so if you yeah. decided you wanted to take your dog along but your dog's never been before and maybe they're sort of six eight twelve months old now how do you think the best way to tackle that is is it just a case of drive them there get out the car and see what they do or take it in step by step how how do you think people should sort of yeah, I th- it's a lovely question, actually. Most people, I would suggest, will have a rough handle on what their dog can and cannot cope with. And so I'm going to make that as a broad assumption in the beginning. You know, people will know if their dog is is likely to have a complete meltdown at the marketplace. Mm. And most people will know if, for example, they think their dog might be very shy or a bit snappy or, you know, they, they I think they will know or indeed they will know if the dog is completely cool in that scenario. Mm. Although having said that, just catching myself, you did put it in the context of, well, we're coming out of lockdown and maybe the dog hasn't had the you know the option to have these experiences so there could be some question marks one thing I often talk to people about is a simple method that I've developed and I call it uh, the one two three method (laughs) told you it's simple Um, (laughs) and in fact let me correct myself that is a different method the method I was thinking of was called the traffic light system (laughs) okay but that still has three points and hence me getting mixed up so (laughs) the idea of green amber and red can help the owner establish whether an environment or an experience is going to be what we call a green so we'll we'll call that easy easy to cope with easy to manage or maybe amber which suggests that it's a bit of a challenge for the dog but that broadly speaking they can cope and then we may have red that may be a scenario where we say uh, to give a couple of examples of reds it might be sitting outside a coffee shop with their dog some owners will know if that their dog maybe can't quite cope with that um, and so we'll say in the beginning we put reds to one side and we work our way up to the reds later on okay mm-hmm. and that we start in I would say a bit of a transitional area say between green and amber yeah and so what I then encourage the owner to do because every environment is different and every dog is different and so that means that your list will look a bit different to mine and Joe in the corner there with his labradoodle his list would be different from yours and mine Mm. because of those varying factors but I do then encourage people to write out a list of different locations that they could go to and literally work their way through over the coming weeks so that they fulfill all the uh, different locations and experiences in the amber column and then when they feel that their dog can cope with all of that turning the page and looking at what's on the red column mm-hmm. no I think that's, which that's a really broadly... great way of looking at it actually really good yeah thank you I'll take that and, uh, <laughs> because it allows an individual owner to draw up what they think their dog can and can't cope with mm. and the, the idea is that if there are things on the red list say if the owner thought that the marketplace on a Saturday morning was a red then I wouldn't go there initially Mm. I would do work work at the easier end of the scale being sort of green come ambers and uh, work on that for work through the list 
in that zone for a month or so and then gradually everything you know we've used this word a couple of times today and it's this idea of gradual incremental it's all about them just gradually gaining confidence isn't it I know yeah quite often I've looked like a total lunatic because I I often go to my local um, market in my local town and I am known there now for being a lunatic who takes her dogs and is doing sits and downs and spins (laughs) right in the middle of the fruit and vegetable but it's all about about when they start throwing you carrots and exactly yeah yeah, well I have an ambition to make that my dog did crawl under the uh, vegetable a couple of weeks ago and come out with an entire cucumber in his mouth so oh, I did have brilliant. to pay for that <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. but it's all about them getting confident isn't it and I feel as though yes. if I can do that with them he's doing something that he knows and he quite happily does anyway and if he says mm, not quite confident enough to do a spin because that means I have mm. to sort of turn away from you and that makes me a bit mm. nervous well fine then we'll do a little pour and then you can keep mm. your eyes on me and you know I haven't gone away from you you know I'm still yes. here so yeah. it's just building that confidence level isn't it it really is Mal and you know that I I don't particularly go around, you know, chanting or evangelizing about demystifying this. But on this particular conversation, that's become really clear. You know, I feel quite passionate about that today, about demystifying the idea of looking at behavior problems or training dogs or socializing dogs. It can, you know, we may, as an uh, an owner, in the last year be acquiring our first dog because naturally we think well we have time mm. um i've got the uh the 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 ability to go out uh, have access is the word i was looking for to nice open spaces wherever they you know may live and um yeah you know the i completely understand why people would want to get a dog uh, in the last year um but of course i guess there is this slight element in this conversation where we're looking at well you've had a an unusual kind of year as you said in the in the introduction this is not typical and of course our dogs don't necessarily know it and um, we're always trying to prepare them the best we can for perceived changes and it's our responsibility as the dog's owner to look ahead because they can't of course they cannot look ahead and they cannot perceive the changes that we might be asking them to deal with mm. later on so yes it's about back again to this idea of little gradual changes now that work incrementally towards what we want to do later on and it says dare i say it it's as simple as that Perfect. Talking Mm. about um, a little bit later on, as you mentioned, Mm. so um, I have a good friend who's just opened a positive grooming salon and it amazes me how many people she's already seen, only been open the last two weeks and it amazes Mm. me how many people she's already met who have said, I've taken my dog to the groomers in the past and he was Mm. traumatised when he came home or now he won't walk through the door or Mm. he wouldn't eat for three days afterwards. How do you think people should go about... A, getting their dog used to being handled and groomed and B, taking them somewhere that they know they can happily leave their dog. I mean, we put a lot of trust in groomers and we we drop our dogs off and we walk away for two hours and we come back and they look wonderful. But how do we know how that's been done? So how do you think people Mm. could go about that? Such a good question. And in fact, um, all the more relevant at the moment with the somewhat explosion of the poodle crosses. 
Oh, yes, their perms are uh, very needy. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, we we have I'd be interested. I don't have um, such statistics to hand, but it would be very interesting to see some sort of uh, growth curve rate of the cockapoo, for example. Mm. You know, and and I get it. I think cockapoos can make brilliant pets, but they and I'll just for the sake of convenience, probably come back to that breed throughout this grooming discussion. But, you know, these are dogs that. Uh, do need to be groomed and if they're not if their coat isn't taken care of correctly then they the dog can really get into quite a lot of knotting and then we have to sort of do a effectively like a first aid shaving of the dog Mm. just to get back to square one but to answer your question what we want to do is to avoid that stress for the dog either to have become knotted or to find that when it goes to the groomers it is a traumatizing experience they're probably just so i get it out that you know the best thing that people can do is to start grooming their own dogs from day one effectively at home and that they are prepared to do it and if they take on any poodle mix then they need to understand that the coat will need a lot of care and attention Mm. again to save i won't go down the road of how to groom your dog because that's a big further subject but suffice to say well it's not a big subject really you just pick up a comb and brush your dog (laughs) you know I mean you could say that because I'm not suggesting that people start clipping their dogs (laughs) Um, although indeed they could at least introduce the dog uh, to the sound of clippers Mm. Um, you know it's not impossible we we had some dog clippers here and we we've never clipped apart from a little bit of maintenance we've never done a clip on our own little golden doodle ruby but we could introduce her to the sound of the clippers maybe the vibration without even a blade on it next to her skin Mm. so it's really about starting early doing what you can at home to ensure that the dog doesn't develop any physical aversions to being groomed you know that yeah. the dog will allow you to handle its feet and will allow you to cl- uh, comb its mustache and what have you and to groom around more sensitive areas around the back end and so then at least when you're taking your puppy or young dog to the groomers it isn't a complete shock at that stage you know they're not pieces of equipment we just drop off and get groomed or get vaccinated or whatever that dogs can have very strong aversions to these experiences uh, depending on what prior introductions we have or haven't done Um, and of course the way the dog is managed when with the groomer you know is the groomer patient do you like the groomer yourself is the groomer the sort of person that you know you might think you'd like to have a coffee with Mm. and if you think if it isn't gelling for you, then actually there are a lot of groomers around these days. I know it that may be easier said for some people than others. But, you know, even in my own little town, there are now probably three. Yeah, I think there's three groomers that you could choose from. And we are a small town in, in leafy Worcestershire. Mm. Yeah, so, no, I couldn't agree know. more, actually. And it's really nice to see, like you say, groomers just seem to be popping up on a daily basis. And there's so mm. many in such small concentrated areas now. But mm. I found it really nice that so many of, of them are advertising puppy visits. And they do yes. specialised half hour puppy yeah. visits. And what, to the take, home? 
uh, no, you can take them to the you grooming parlour. So they yes, empty yes. out the grooming parlour. So there's no sort of mm. dogs sort of barking at them or, yeah, or, or yeah. tied up anywhere as they are sometimes when they're having yes. brushes and things done. Yeah. And it's just a nice empty grooming parlour that you take your puppy in and the puppy gets mm. used to having sort of all the equipment and the smells and the noises, etc. And I think that's really yeah. lovely. Like you say, people mm. are finally waking up to the fact it's not just a case of dropping this thing off and walking away it's not like having yeah. a car fixed you need to be able yeah. to trust that person implicitly you don't do and you? Um, and you do actually and I would extend that sort of thinking that broad thinking to vets and any other service but and also by the way behaviorists you know if people if you're asking somebody to deal with your dog on a quite an intimate level either whether that's behavior or uh, uh, or some sort of health care, then you need to sort of think, well, do I like that person? Do I trust mm. them? And, you know, you, you can pay your money and take your choice if you don't like somebody or if you don't quite feel the, the vibe, then you can go somewhere else. And, yeah. you know, these are very important and valuable services that are offered. Um, but to the uninitiated dog, it can be, I, I've had lots of visits where the, the grooming is an issue and actually I've had some really nice outcomes as well. And some, it's not unusual in the first instance for me to say, okay, the first step is you need to find a new groomer that you trust and that wouldn't treat your dog in that way. Um, because you do hear a few horror stories, you know, it's like any, any trade, whether it's builders or, or groomers that you have the good and the bad. And, and it's important that you do your due diligence and research before choosing one, you know? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, so last question, if anyone's listening to this and sort of getting more and more concerned as they're listening and thinking, Oh my God, I haven't taken my dog to my market and I haven't walked him every day and I haven't socialized mm. him and I hasn't been to the groomers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, is it ever too late for an adult dog or even a puppy uh, in respect to getting some training or socialization or habituation? Is there a cutoff mm. point or can it be achieved with any dog of any age? The, the short answer is there isn't a cutoff point, but it does admittedly get a little harder as the dog gets older. And that's a bit like humans as well. You know, I'm, I'm in my early 50s. And if I tried to pick up a new skill now, that wouldn't come as easily to me as if it would when I was in my 20s or 30s tell me and about so, it these yeah. space age tvs what are they all about right there you go. <laughs> so dogs yes dogs of all ages with all sorts of disadvantages inverted commas um you know can make improvements and and it is that uh, mel that allows me to stay sort of motivated and to keep doing my job i mean the average age of dogs i see incidentally is about two years of age okay. and so you know i don't think that's a coincidence it's people have tried throughout puppyhood and they they uh, may still have some lingering issues and so you know that that can happen with a slightly older dog as well Mm. no that's really fantastic that's a really lovely mm. positive note to finish on mm. actually it's been mm. really lovely. lovely great thank you great to have a chat with you it's been fascinating absolutely fascinating um and i'm pretty sure our listeners won't be able to wait to start exploring and adventuring the wilder world with their puppies yes well um, good luck to them all exactly yes yeah, could yeah. you tell them where they could find out more about you and maybe receive further advice on socializing their dog 
Yeah, sure. I tend to, I enjoy social media, so I tend to be a little bit everywhere. But the main places I use now for telling people what I'm doing is Facebook because everybody has it and that's still pretty useful. So if you just go on to facebook.com, if you even put in the search bar at the top, my company name is Alpha Dog Behaviour. But if they just put in, say, dog behaviourist Nick Jones, I will come up within the top one or two and, and, and they can just click through. Um, and my website is alphadogbehaviour.co.uk and they'll find plenty of um, blog posts and videos. If anybody has any questions as a result of things that we've talked about today, if incidentally people would like a little handout describing in a bit more detail that traffic light method I was talking about, um, because that's a key part of what we've been talking about how to sort of expose our dogs there i will happily send them a free copy if they contact me through one of those social sites oh brilliant that's lovely okay. thank you so much that's excellent that's lovely. thanks to you our listener for joining us and make sure you leave a rating and review and let us know if you have any questions for any of our experts Nature's Menu is dedicated to the health and well-being of its pets and yours. Discover the world of raw and more by visiting naturesmenu.co.uk. The Pupcast podcast is offering an exclusive 20% discount to its listeners. Simply enter Pupcast20 at the naturesmenu.co.uk checkout.